he's referred to as the man in the back of the room and introduced as the voice of God. He's told U.S. presidents where to sit, given Tony and Grammy award-winning celebrities direction, and lectured scads of students. But as he likes to point out, the event entertainment expert you don't know, you don't know, Anthony Bellata. And Bellatified. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Bolotified, the one and only podcast about events, entertainment, and engagement. I'm Anthony Bolotta, and I'm here as I am every week with my one and only Bolotophile, Alex Apostolini. Say hey, Alex! <laughs> you, you sound like you're in a bit of a tunnel. <laughs> yes. That was my, my poor attempt at Julia Child. Oh, it sounded, oh, well, actually, it's pretty good then. Because <laughs> it came across at a, a completely different sound wave, so. Oh, well, good. So there you go. I, 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 you know, something I did there was right. I can tell you when that would be useful. It would be useful when somebody is talking to you on the phone that you don't want to talk to, but you want them to think that you're interested in talking to them. So you just use that voice because they're going to become so aggravated that they can't hear anything you're saying. <laughs> That's good. That's comes very handy. good. It comes in handy, Candy. I often get, I do have to tell you this, I get, you know, David's last name is Cornbluth. I never took his name. I kept my own. And I get calls for Mrs. Cornbluth. And I said, there isn't, there's, there is no Mrs. Cornbluth. There's never been a Mrs. Cornbluth. She doesn't exist. <laughs> Click. And she never will. And she never will. Damn it. Well, I'm so excited today because we have, uh, we're bringing back an episode that we aired back in November of 2021. We interviewed the uh, creator of the program at SDSU, the Meeting and Event Management Program, and uh, some of the team, the staff, and the instructors that teach the program. And we are going to replay that for our audiences today. We recorded this November 11th. Actually, I think it was November 8th, 2021. Nope, it was the ninth day after my birthday in Las Vegas at the Delano in the midst of IMEX. It was the beginning of our SDSU meeting and event management series. And I welcome you to listen. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Bolotified, the one and only podcast about event, entertainment, and engagement. I'm Anthony Bolotta, and I'm here as I am every week with my cohort in crime, Miss Alex Apostolides. Hey, A. You. Hey, A. Back. Thank you. Well, that's true. We are both A's, aren't we? We are, but I'm a double A. But I have to be careful how I say that. And we're back. Oh <laughs> my gosh. Now the babes, ladies and gentlemen. That was a much needed laugh today, my friend. Oh my goodness. Great. I'm glad I made myself laugh. There we go. That was great. But that's not even close to being true. <laughs> I surmise. Well, well, thank you. Oh, oh, oh my goodness. So okay. I, here we are. I am in Las Vegas again. Uh, 
this week for the IMEX show, and uh, it's happening right now as we record this session. And Alex is back in San Diego. I am. Where Exciting. it's busy. What's going on there? You, you're booking events. People are engaged for the holidays. Mm -hmm. And they're asking for what we talked about. Uh, and we will bring you in a week or so what people are doing. Yeah. More than anything this holiday season. Mm -hmm. So that's coming up. So I don't want to give that away. But uh, what are you doing right now? Anything new? Anything uh, interesting? Um, yeah, actually working on some stuff for next fall already. Oh. Yeah. 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 Is there, you know, you and D'Angelo were talking um, just prior to this call and it brought to mind something and that is everything old is new again. And in the sense that we've just gone through 18 months of COVID, it does feel like some of the items that we've proposed over and over and over again prior to COVID are now getting some traction. Mm -hmm. Do you agree? Yes, I do agree. Yeah. Like the, the ambient entertainment mm -hmm. options, um, things like strolling music, strolling, strolling music. That's interesting. So more strolling music than ever. Than I haven't seen it in a while. I mean, I've seen a little bit, but I find it's coming up a little bit more often, you know, just some really nice kind of interactive. Well, not really interactive, but strolling. Yeah. I'm finding it's, we're getting, I'm getting a few requests for it. Is that, for outdoor events or people not even, because you're talking next fall? Yeah, next fall. No, inside. Inside, yeah. yeah. So people for next year, are they thinking outdoor, indoor, or are they all thinking indoor? I think it's a combination, but I think they're moving more towards indoor. A lot of stuff that we've been working on for next year has been indoor, with the exception of one client that almost always, 90% of their stuff is outdoor. Um, but that's just, that was pre COVID that was during COVID and that's post COVID. Other than that, the other, the other, uh, corporate events that I've been working on have been indoor, mostly indoor. And they're all for next year. A lot. Yeah. We're already working on, like I said, October doing a lot for next spring. So we've booked a couple of things for February already and have things for March and April in the works and May as well. And May as well. So, I mean, that's just the stuff I've been working on. I know D'Angelo has been for as busy as I've been, he's been even busier. So. Well, that's great here at IMEX. It does feel like 2022 is the year that corporate will come back. Uh, and the few people that I've had a chance to speak with uh, their businesses, their business looks good for 2022. And here at IMEX, it is mostly corporations, meeting planners, uh, that are either uh, corporate planners or independent planners that travel the globe uh, to find properties. And the show is really, it's really um, about the location. The, those that have boots here are major CVBs and um, DMCs and, and in some cases, full-on states or countries like Switzerland, the entire country is here representing all of, you know, the various 
areas in in that country where you can go and have a meeting and have an experience uh san juan is here excuse me puerto rico is here not san juan but puerto rico is here also with a very large presence argentina has an incredible presence and actually an incredible booth as well they have brought in uh a an led floor and backdrop so that all of them and and what happens here at imex is it's not the traditional exhibit booth setup where you would go to a comic con or a any other trade show, somebody either has a prefab booth or they're using a, a table and they're behind the table and they have a 10 by 10 area. In this case, um, the booths, the larger booths are set up so that there can be lots of small conversations happening at once. So for example, in the case of Argentina, there are probably 20 salespeople from across that country that that represent CVBs, DMCs, hotels sitting on chairs with small desks, like desks for two, all laid out on this LED screen that is showcasing this dynamic, breathtaking aerial footage of Argentina. It's gorgeous and it's just really engaging. Uh, and then of course, it's on the backdrop behind them as well. So there's an awful lot of selling of destinations here. This is a lot about incentive and experiences and where you can go around the world. To get that people are biting at this too, because we've all been so sequestered. That must be hugely popular. Oh yeah, this show is always, it's the biggest show of all. Uh, but this year, I'm going to say, it's so hard to tell. I, I'm going to guess it's maybe three to 4,000 people, but it's usually huge, closer to, I'm going to say seven to 9,000, maybe even more, because there are only two of these. One is in Frankfurt and one here. And they out, they're, they're bigger than any other show in our space. They really are the biggest show. And, the, and those who buy in uh, hotels and, and plan destinations, uh, incentives and destinations, uh, those are the people who are here. So it's kind of an interesting format because by the way, it's all hosted, this program. Oh. So, uh, I, so MPI, uh, which we'll hear a bit, more about later. MPI hosts uh, the students that will in our program and um, the hoteliers and the CVBs host all of the planners that come. So our friend Nicole Matthews is here. Oh, hi, and, Nicole. Hi, Nicole. She took me to dinner last night. Uh, she's here and she's well, she's hosted by the London CVB, as I recall, uh, because she plans meetings there. So they pay for her travel. And the show is basically free to walk in and, and be in the trade show and the exhibits. And then the, the parties and additional events are all by invitation only. 
So if you're, for example, a Hilton person and you book all your meetings at Hilton, you're invited by Hilton to come and they pay for your travel. They put you up at Hilton. If there is one, there happens to be. Uh, they pay for your, your airfare and then they'll have, a, it, depending on their footprint here and their sponsorship, they'll throw a big party and invite you to that as a hosted buyer. And all of this is to get your meeting business and your incentive business moving into the you know, next few years. So there is hunger for this, thirst for this, because we haven't really, we didn't do it last year in 2020. And there are some new things on the horizon and you know people wanna get back. Uh, they wanna get back. Unfortunately, I'm also hearing by the way from some of our friends that at least in some of the private sectors of business uh, where there's a little bit more liability, um, financial and insurance specifically, uh, the HR and legal teams are uh, supervising the contracts and uh, it's making it more difficult because there's so much liability and it's and we're we live in such a litigious society mm -hmm. that you know, and that's their job in those fields specifically to you know mitigate risk and monitor risk. And so it's making the job even harder in in post-COVID days, unfortunately, to plan. Yeah. So many, many, many things at stake. I will say that the vaccine mandate is fully fully taken on it's it's entrenched throughout this conference i am wearing a lime green i hate it oh i just made it tighter and i didn't mean to do that because <laughs> once you make it tighter you can't loosen it it's this lime green fabric um, piece that i got once i showed them that i was vaccinated through the clear system so I have to wear this for the next few days. I'm gonna to try to get another one. Um, but this is because I was, if I wasn't vaccinated, I wouldn't have one of these and I wouldn't be able to get in without a negative COVID test. And there are testing stations for those who don't want to get the vaccination and need to do that. Um, so they're taking this serious. And so is every country Good. that's here. Yeah. Good, and I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, I mean, this is this is a sign because we are in a show about meeting and incentive travel. So that says to me this indication and need for a vaccine to travel here and take part in the show indicates you're going to need one to travel to any of these locations and stay in those hotels. And it's just getting stricter and stricter. Oh. You just you're not going to pass out there, are you? Not cutting off a blood supply, are you? I might be soon. <laughs> and so I I am hoping and trusting that you will be visiting that Switzerland booth and making sure that they invite us, um, including myself, to go to Switzerland. And <laughs> I'm going to have to do that. We're going to have to take a group with us, though. So let's find one. Okay, let's go. It's a place I really want to go. Yes. Greece, is Greece there by any chance? Because that would be another great destination. I I did not see Greece, uh, but that doesn't mean they're not here as part of another convoy. Okay. Keep your eyes open. Doo -doo, ba -ba
We have the founding director of the San Diego State University, L. Robert Payne School of Hospitality and Tourism Management, the one and only Carl Winston. Well, wow. Hello there. (laughs) (laughs) And two of the school's industry instructors from the Brining Group, Terry Brining, who will be joining us shortly, and Senior Vice President of Experience at Meeting Professionals International, Annette Gregg. Hi, everybody. Hi, it's Terry. I actually am here. Hi, Terry. Nice to see you. <laughs> it's so nice to see you. Thanks for dropping in. Thanks. Well, I was in the neighborhood. So. <laughs> I thought maybe you were getting caught in the hallways. Yeah. Yes. Signing autographs, no doubt. Yes, that's right. <laughs> so we're going to kick it off. You came just in time. We've been talking about you, but now that you're here, we'll stop. Uh, we'll stop talk about now, the yeah. program. Okay, so the basics. Who is L? Robert Payne. Well, Bob Payne is a sort of a San Diego hospitality legend, meaning he's been around a long time. Um, He uh, was instrumental in getting the school starting, started 20 plus years ago by giving a million dollars to San Diego State, uh, subsequently following that up multiple times with gifts to make us a well-financed school. And he basically challenged SDSU and a group of industry leaders that included Terry Brining and uh, many other uh, sort of legends in the San Diego community to build something special. And Bob himself had uh, done quite well in business working in the restaurant industry. He was on the board of directors of Jack in the Box. He was instrumental in bringing two Super Bowls to San Diego, influential in founding, building the convention center, just had his fingers all over San Diego's hospitality industry. And he wasn't a household name because he was one of the most, he is one of the most modest people I've ever met. Um, And he's 90 years old today. I had lunch with him two weeks ago. He drove up in his fancy Mercedes and he's living living in large. Good for him. Good for him. Yeah. So when did the program come into play? When did it start? So there was a group of, uh, industry people and Terry and myself were, were one of them along with a lot of other folks about 40 of us and we spent a couple of years building the the ideas around the curriculum and what we were going to teach and it included people from the lodging industry the restaurant industry uh, and thanks to Patty Roscoe Terry Brining and some other visionary leaders the events industry and we put together a full events program 20 years ago when that was almost a novel idea. 20 years ago. Yeah, we launched 20 years ago last it, this September. And the type of degrees available? So uh, we launched with a bachelor's degree mm-hmm. um, in hospitality and tourism management where the students could specialize in hotels, events, or restaurants. We've expanded that now. We have a recreation and tourism bachelor's degree. We have a master's degree that we launched eight years ago in a master's degree in hospitality and tourism management. And then there's this new master's degree in meeting and event management that uh, one of our students is named Anthony Malata. (laughs) They let him in. They let let him into some strange places. I'm just saying. (laughs) They don't know. They don't know. (laughs) They do not. (laughs) They'll get to know, though. It's coming. So what's the difference between the HTM and the MEM programs, hospitality, tourism management, and meeting and event management in the master's program? You want to take it or you want me to? I'm happy to. Um, so the, the, it, there's a couple of big differences for me. Um, 
both programs are built around leadership principles, self-awareness and emotional intelligence. Um, but the type of individual is, is quite different. Our hospitality students are typically running event, uh, they're running hotels or other venues. We, we have a very interesting mix. The, the meeting professionals are just a whole different beast. And um, I will say more challenging to instruct um, because they're frightfully well-organized and uh, have very high expectations are put on them professionally. And I think that reflects back on us as, as educators. Is that they, really what you mean to say? <laughs> the meeting professionals listening to this, you scare me a little bit. <laughs> yes. Well, I'd love to, to tap on that a little bit, Anthony. This is Annette. Um, so I've, I've joined... Carl and Terry just a couple of years ago as an instructor for uh, leadership, but uh, one of Terry's uh, mentors, and she can talk about that whole program. But I feel like for me, there are two big differentiators that drew me to this program. And the first one, and I compared it to when I got my MBA about 10 years ago. The first one is this really takes a look at the whole person. This is not just academic principles and maybe layered on with some lifetime experiences. This is actually starting with the person at the core. Before these students even take a class, as you know, Anthony, well, you take a 360 and you take a print assessment, which is really kind of a deep look at your own personal style and your, your soft skills, your hidden, hidden dangers, your, your strengths. And really, it's about developing the whole person. And then we layer on a really rigorous, you know, eight or 10 courses over 18 months that are going to make that really rounded, well-rounded leader that is, is going to go out and change the world. And the second differentiator for me is that San Diego State has crafted such care for the students, not well beyond the 18-month program, but then there's a coach that's layered on top of that. And again, with my MBA, we never even mentioned those words, let alone had those programs right. in place. So I think it's a big, big testimony to Terry's vision and really caring for the whole person again. Can I ask a question? Sure. This, the, the wanting to uh, start with the person as a whole, the student as a whole, before they even start, was this something that was designed from the beginning when you were putting these programs together, or was this an evolution that so came about? This was very much by design. Um, it's at the heart of our bachelor's program too. Uh, our, our mission statement for our bachelor's program is to be the most personalized hospitality school anywhere. Well, guess what that takes? Personalization. <laughs> you know the person, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's going to maybe surprise some of your audience, Anthony, but we actually care for our students. And I mean, we cherish our students. We, you know, we, are appropriate, but we hug our students. Like we genuinely bond with these people and they can feel it. And, uh, you know, I, we were chatting shortly before the broadcast that the level of care is so intense and the, be and the need is so big that we get these incredible advisors and mentors that Terry's helped us rope in. And they're not coming to help us just because they were asked. They're genuinely want to improve the industry. And it's, a, we're all on kind of a personal mission to, change this profession's image and we're doing it one person at a time. And it seems to me that maybe you had something to do, Terry, with the uh, EQ uh, part of it and the assessments at the very beginning, no? Nothing. Uh, you know, Anthony, I would love to take credit for it, but mm -hmm. I deserve none of the credit. <laughs> but thank you very much sure. for mentioning there you that. Go. Thank you, Carl. <laughs> really? No, I really don't. Seriously. No. 
No, I, I, I help facilitate that. I mean, each of us, Annette referenced the coaches. And so there, there are a few of us that have a coaching group of, you know, 10 to 12 students that we walk uh, with throughout their journey of the masters. And so in addition to their mentors. Um, and so as a coach, each of us uh, goes through this, this EQ um, uh, assessment and the, the, the print and the 360 and that sort of thing to help the students sort of level set where they are and some of the areas uh, for opportunity. So I, I have certainly worked with students on that, but it wasn't my idea. Unfortunately, it's a good idea, but it's not mine. Well, I've told everyone I know it's your idea. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry, I'm sorry to everyone else. You know, so, thank you. <laughs> there, there's a wonderful there's a wonderful saying that says victory has a thousand parents. So that's so and, true. And failure has none. None. Like failure, that. Failure, none. No, failure has one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not me. Yeah. So who's the ideal candidate for this program? And is there yeah, one? There is. Uh, in the uh, what I love to say in our uh, and when we're doing our little recruiting sessions is if you're looking for a, an easy masters, I can show you websites where you can do those and you will work less, you'll have less self-discovery, way less stress. That's not us. The, the ideal candidate for us is somebody who wants to take their professional career to the next level, whatever that is. That might be, I need a promotion. That might be, I'm a corporate planner and I wanna start my own third party. Um, firm. Uh, it, it doesn't matter what your next is, but the ideal candidate is stuck and needs a coach, a mentor, and a way of thinking to get them to their next place. Mm -hmm. um, there, we're, there are a wide range of ages in the program now, and I, I'm already testing to being probably the oldest one there. Uh, so are you seeing a difference in the older students from the younger students? Does it seem like, is there a sweet spot? for when to be in this program? Sure, well, I can start from just the, the academic side and then maybe Terry, you can comment on just the math, the mentor pairings. Well, what I've seen, I, I feel there is a, a sweet spot of someone that's probably been working for at least five to 10 years. And here's why. I think that the critical piece for me to see growth, and I teach the leadership course, and the critical piece for me is for them to be able to layer on real time industry and personal experience to really add color to the academic rigor that we are presenting. So when I'm asking for a paperback or an assignment, I don't want just to say, well, here's what the four readings said. I want them to say, here's what the four readings said, and this happened to be five years ago, and here's how it, it actually adds color to this and reinforces my point, which is X. And it's just a little harder for a 23-year-old to have that life experience to really add a real robust learning. Right. You don't know what you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, she, we have a few, we have a few that are um, that age and I think they, they can get there and maybe yeah. part of their growth is with their mentors and yeah. pulling them up to a higher area. Yeah. I, we've got some really impressive students this, um, this year. They're driven too. Well, they're, they're driven, but they're also, I mean, we've got some that are in their early twenties mm -hmm. and, um, and that, that may be too early for some, but boy, the ones we've got right now, they're ready for this, right? They have the life experience that uh, that that helps prepare them for this uh, for this level of program, for the rigor, uh, for the self discovery. I've been I have been so impressed with the students that we've had at every age, and and it's exciting too to see somebody who is mid career and is stuck and says, you know, I need something different. I don't know how to get there, 
And, and this looks like, and I, and I like this industry, so I wanna do what's next. I don't know how to get what's next. And so this is a vehicle to do that and to watch the people um, come in. And most of them are, you know, it's like, are you kidding me? Have I made the right decision, right? right. This is a lot of time and a lot of money. Right. Holy cow. Yeah. And, and, and maybe, you know, with some shaken confidence or not sure they can do it. And to watch these people go through the journey and build confidence and build self-assurance and build through as a result of the, the, the self-discovery. And on the other side of that, when they come out, it's like, this has been one of the most meaningful um, journeys I've been on. Mm -hmm. And they are filled with, with confidence and they know for sure that they could do stuff that they were absolutely not sure that they could do before. That's, that's remarkable. I mean, that's really why I'm involved with this and always have been, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's, it's a privilege to watch that journey. And so many come back and become mentors yeah. in the next step. So that's really a testimony yeah. that are willing to comport, pay it forward. Yeah. Well, as, as one of the older guys, I can tell you that I, I learn a lot through this curriculum as well. And I, I was telling Carl before we started this interview that uh, I'm leading a, a nonprofit organization and we are having some challenges and the curriculum is so spot on with what I have to do there, yeah. you know? And it's just, it's amazing how timely it is in today's job market as well yeah. Yeah. with the great uh, resignation. resignation, as you put it, right. uh, and the need for people to treat their employees like people. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is, we, I mean, uh, when I started in this, you know, you didn't feed anybody who was there 12 hours a day. You know, you didn't take care of them. It right. wasn't where anybody's focus was. So we've come yeah. quite a yeah. way. Yeah, yeah. But the idea of educating people so that they're strategizing events and they're thinking about the big picture is really phenomenal. Well, I think, you know, certainly I, I got into the industry, Anthony, probably about the same time you did. And you know, there, first of all, there were no courses for any of this, certainly in the media. I mean, hospitality has been around for a long time, but certainly not in the meetings and events industry. I mean, it was a, you know, on the job training kind of thing. Let's, let's hope I don't embarrass my, my employer too badly with this because I don't know what I'm doing. Right. So that's where I started. And so one of the other things that's so exciting for me in this program is that this, um, this is part of the evolution of the entire industry, right? And and the people that are coming out of these programs, both the undergrad and the graduate programs, are making this industry that I love, that I've been a part of all of my mm -hmm. adult life, better than it's ever been. Mm -hmm. They come into this world um, better, stronger, more strategic, uh, more visionary. More confident. And far more confident. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I eventually got confident, but but not for a long time. Yeah. It was all, it yeah. was many years, right? So yeah. so that's that speaks well of the entire industry and and what and where we have to go collectively. Mm. I love that. Yeah. Well, I have a question for you since you're the student in this program and you and I've talked a lot about this about the stress of the industry and the oftentimes lack of balance, right? Work life balance, work work balance. And it's very, very... Huh? Yeah, they're, they're looking uh, cross-eyed like they don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> so I'm, I'm curious, as you're going through this, do you see this? Because what I'm sensing is that it could be a great factor in this, that as more students go through this, as we focus more on self 
awareness and introspection and self-discovery, that it can then mitigate the stress of this industry, that there can be more balance, work-life, work-work balance, which to me is, is paramount. I don't think that as a society, we can continue to go without more balancing, which I think is one of the great things that COVID maybe has provided for all of us is at least an awareness of what is needed. You know, it's interesting because the stress that we get in this industry doesn't always emanate from ourselves. Sometimes it's dumped on us, right? <laughs> you know, clients that give us things at the last minute or don't know what they want. And, but I do think that there is value in this course because you take the responsibility mm. for yourself in this course and you learn how to, particularly, particularly now in, in the teachings, to calm yourself mm -hmm. and to think and to stop mm -hmm. and to close yourself, close your door, do whatever you need to do to stop and think, which is the first thing you have to do to stop the stress. You have to. So I'd like to build on that, Anthony, because I, I, I see in our undergrad program and in our grad program, uh, a phenomenon that really ties into this. And it's the fact that so many people choose the wrong employer mm -hmm. and they he's like how'd you pick that company yeah. there was an ad and the website said it was great yeah <laughs> it's like yeah like who like who it's called <laughs> puffing yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. so the whole note you know again with our personalized approach like what's right for you right. and you know right. we can sort of guide the thinking into is that really the right organization for you like the yeah. role you're in in that yeah you have a really challenging job yeah but if you're working with people who are supporting you, yeah. it's easier to do a hard job because right. you actually feel supported. Right. If you're if you're working for tyrants, that would be you'd have a miserable job. Well, and I think it comes down to this self sense of choice. You know, if we can empower these students to know two things, you know, who they are and what they have to offer, and also the huge world of this industry that you can insert yourself into, then you can say, okay, those are two in a Venn diagram, right? Here's what I have to offer. Here's the world of it. How do those intersect? How do I leverage my past, my passions and my skill set in a setting that I want to be in instead of taking the first job that pays well and has the title I've always wanted? And we all have done that and it right. doesn't always work out. So I think we're fine. We're giving them more knowledge so they can make better choices as, right. for their career paths. So I, I think also going back to what you talked about, about that you're learning how to sit back and, and, and look more clearly and think, I think part of one of the essential elements of, of the master's program, and I don't know as much about the, the, the inner workings of the undergrad program, but in the master's program, reflection is built into every single course and every single moment. And so it's not just, as you said, to, you know, we're just going to, you know, power through this course material. All of it is about, yes, you got to power through the course material, but then the, the, the reflection assignments are, so what does this mean to you? How does this affect you? How does, um, I, I mean, part of it is the life journey, but part of it is like, what is, what right now is true? as it relates to this course that you've just finished or that you're in the middle of. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a really um, meaningful part of the program um, that helps change everything for the student. Because yeah. they're not just, they can't, they can't just smart their way through this. They can't, right? No, so they, true. It's, no there's no yeah. right answers. That is a differentiator, Terry, absolutely. Yeah. So they call it the, the Learning and Development Program, LDP. Is that what it is? Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. And again, 
didn't talk that way when I got my MBA. So this is a different level. We don't want you to just walk away and say, I got this knowledge. We wanted application, right? How's it going to change your life going forward? And it, it is a it, differentiator for sure. And it speaks into this whole work-life balance thing because it becomes less of an issue if you love what you do mm -hmm. and you love the people you're doing it with. It all works out. Yeah. And it's not like, I got to get home from work yes. because I hate my life. Right. I need to have a good life now because the last 10 hours were hell. Yeah, exactly. That just goes away. Right. It just goes away. Do you well, think this is revolutionary? I mean, I, do you see this this theory being implemented in other uh, other majors, other programs? I'd like to go first. Um, <laughs> so it, when I share our model with other educators, they're a hundred percent certain it won't work. In other schools, you yeah. mean other yeah. in other yeah. disciplines? Yeah, they all call yeah, us. They they call oh. us a unicorn. They're like, we don't know how you do that. It doesn't work. Yeah. yeah. And they Clearly. look at our curriculum. They look at our approach. Like that just doesn't work. Right. And then they look at our students. They're like, well, you have great students. But so they never give you reasons as to why it won't work. They just say because there, there's a there's a legacy mindset that you need to teach finance right. and marketing and these traditional disciplines. This really regimented set yeah. of data that if you master those data, you'll be fine. Mm -hmm. But that was what you did. The MBA approach, and right? And it's rigorous. It's universal. There's no business schools around the world are homogeneous. They all, they teach the same curriculum in China that they do in Russia that they do in San Diego in a business school. There's no variation in the world. And so this is really revolutionary. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think it's just very, I don't know that other schools going to want to copy it because it doesn't make any sense to their, to them for where their brains come from. But, but I do want to point out that this program does have a finance course and it does, it does have a marketing course. So it's not yeah, that those things right. are eliminated. Right. Right. And it's, it's just that they're served up differently. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. right. And I think one of the reasons why it looks so different could be because the advisory group, Terry, Carl, whoever created this curriculum, are practitioners in the field. Right. I mean, these are not coming from an academic approach. Right. These are people that have lived the career, so they know the relevance of design thinking and why we need to add a data-driven class and why we need a leadership class in an MEM, pro, you know, master's in event management program. So again, it's just much more real and relevant. How about leading in complex human systems? Like, that's it. Exactly. Like, that's, a, that's, it. that's a weird, that's a, right. you know, that's the leadership class. That's it's, it. a, it's a compl complex human systems. That's a harder thing to teach it in. Like, right. But we all live in them. I know. Right. And we all work in them. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Yeah. You just Ready don't get not. trained for yeah. it, right? Yeah. You just right. expect it to just succeed, you know, yeah. sink or swim, right? Yeah. yeah. So what about the other master's programs uh, in the in the world for meetings and events? Are there any? There's, a, there's been a couple since we launched three years ago when we announced um, NYU has one, Florida International has one. Um, George Washington has had a tourism slash events program for a while. Mm -hmm. On the master's level? On the master's level, but it's really not targeted at event professionals so it's more broadly it's touristic. more touristic yeah. it's more touristic yeah. so uh, and i think there are extensions of what the other programming is i, I don't think anybody's a, no one's been quick to copy what we've done because they don't really understand it and i also think anthony that there's a there's a level of personal commitment among our faculty and staff that is not really 
copyable. I, I just, yeah. we have a lot of people who care a whole lot about the students. And when you're, you are a student, you hopefully felt it. And I, don't I still know, feel it. You know, in and, and that first week when you come on campus and the school director says, you know, I promise you a life-changing experience. You know, I know half the class is going, that's just bullshit. <laughs> and um, that's okay. But it sets a bar for all of us to like give them a life-changing experience. Right, right. And to have somebody like you say, hey, I actually feel it is pretty cool for us. But you know what's cool about that too is that they create their life-changing experience, totally. right? Mm -hmm. SD, SDSU creates the environment in which that can happen, mm -hmm. right? But they create mm -hmm. that. that and, and when you talk about what's the, the ideal student, that's the people that are open yeah. to, to um, having a life-changing experience and understanding that they're going to have to be the one to do that. It's not somebody, you know, it's Carl isn't going to come in and tap them on the head and say, poof, you're different, right? right. It really is. It really it's, is a, it's a journey of self-discovery. I'm repeating myself now, but it really is. Lives will be changed, but it's yeah. because of the work that they do. Such yeah. a good point. And I mean, even just teaching the second class in the, in the cohort, you're seeing the ones that are still kind of clinging to the old model of higher education. Like, hey, how do I get full points on this assignment? And I'm, I cannot wait to see them in a year, hopefully, when they're just not asking that question anymore, because that's not the right question. Yeah, yeah. The question is, what am I learning from this? How can I take this? And how can I develop as a person? And I know they'll get there, but it is a, such a novel approach to higher ed. So they can't really trust it. They're still just hoping they get the A. And I'm thinking that's this is going to be way beyond grades. It's very hard of for course. some, you know. Yeah. And that first week on campus, I was kind of blown away when you brought up the subject of self-reflecting mm -hmm. and some people admitted they hadn't done it. Yeah. From the younger group, I, okay. But there were some older folk that said that and I was blown away. Yeah. So that you introduced the idea of self-reflection to people that hadn't thought about it. And it's so necessary. This is a disruptive industry, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. It's anything but a regiment. It's, yeah. it's so disruptive. There's yeah. no balance. Right. So you're right. sort of counteracting yeah. that, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's one other way I want to briefly answer your question about the other schools. And that is the average age of a grad student in the U.S. is 23 years old. And ours is nowhere near that age or we're significantly older. And it's a mark that, that means we we've eliminated 90 percent of the potential student market mm -hmm. in our approach. Mm -hmm. Which again, if you're other schools, you're going to say, I'm going to go for the 90% of the market right. that they missed. Right. But we, right. we're very much proponents. And I remember when we were designing this masters, we were very much influenced by uh, the Red Ocean, Blue Ocean book about, mm -hmm. you know, wow, that 90% of the market, that's, that's, there's, that's where everybody else is. Let's go where nobody else is. And Blue that. Ocean. Yeah. Love that approach. Yeah. And then the students get into it. They're like, hey, well, I'm talking to a 35-year-old peer. Yeah, that's right. way better. Right. So I, I'm not sure people are going to be able to catch up, or or they're even interested in it, mm -hmm. which is fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah totally fine. fine. Right. right. And there and there's no because this is a a totally online program. There are no geographic borders, and so that really expands it as well, right? So we've got students from actually from fr throughout the U.S., obviously, but Canada, and also from China this year. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're from even further than that, aren't they? Yeah. Just Canada and China? We almost that's, had an Africa student. I can speak to that pretty authoritatively because we actually have very few international students. And, and the reason that we've learned the hard way is 
the main motivation for somebody from outside the U.S. to get a U.S. master's degree is to, come is to, to live US. in the U.S. Uh-huh. And they don't get to live in the U.S. if they do our master's uh, degree. There's and there's a yeah. massive yeah. appetite oh, well, for yeah. students around the world yeah. to come live in a place like San Diego or mm-hmm. name it. So mm-hmm. we don't, we're not that attractive to the international student. <laughs> mm-hmm. So can I, can I speak to the mentor program? Something I feel passionately about. Yeah. So one of the cool things about this master's program is that every student is assigned a mentor uh, that they work with throughout their journey. And um, it's interesting to me that uh, some of the students come in and say, no, 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 I'm good. <laughs> I don't need a mentor. Um, <laughs> and, 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 and we say, because, you know, they're probably self-driven and they're very disciplined. It's like, no, I'm, I'm good. Uh, but it is a requirement. So you can't not have a mentor. Um, and so even those students, the majority of them, they go through this experience. They're paired with a mentor. And uh, Candy Flynn is brilliant at doing mentor matching and, and looking very carefully at the students and, and also the pool of mentors that we have and looking at who is going to be the most effective partner, not teacher, because that's, that's a different role, but the most effective partner for this particular student at this point in their journey. I mean, it's really quite, mm-hmm. quite remarkable what Candy does. But then once that journey begins, the students are required to talk to their mentor, not when they feel like it or they hit a bump, but they are required to have a conversation every month for at least an hour. And again, there is sometimes resistance. to It's like, I'm kind of busy and I don't have time, but we, it's, it is required. And then they are required to reflect on that meeting. What did they learn? What, how, do, how do I integrate the academic stuff that I'm learning into the real world, which is what the mentor helps to bridge? And it's fabulous. I just came from the IMAX show floor and talked with a, a, a few people that are just finishing up um, with, with the uh, current co- the old court, <laughs> old and new, whatever. I'm um, new. I'm new. You're that's new. All. You're new. He's a freshman. But, but with, the, with the cohort that's just wrapping up and um, some of the mentors and they're industry people, right? These are people that may or may not even have a degree, but they've got amazing experience. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they are so thrilled to have had the opportunity to walk this journey with the student. I mean, it has been an extraordinary moment for them mm-hmm. as a mentor to do that. I and I just, I talked to two that, uh, that just started with a brand new mentor uh, or student in the program. And, and one of them said, she says, I've mentored a lot of uh, people over the, over the years, but it's always been kids. I mean, you, you know, young people. She says, this is the first time I'm serving as a mentor to a peer. And she says, it's great. Mm. It's really, it's a whole different experience. So it's not like, you know, sit down youngster, let me tell you what I, right. what I know, what you how to do. It's very much a peer relationship that is profoundly mm. important. Mm. And a lot of the people that have gone through this program are, have become very close to their mentors mm. and remain close um, a long time after. So that that's, I don't know how unique that is in the world of, master's programs in academia, but I'll tell you, it's a really meaningful part of this program. Mm -hmm. What's very cool about this is the unifying effect. I mean, you're not just teaching a skill, but you're setting an example of the importance to carry this through in all aspects of your life, the importance to reach out. It's the importance of us all knowing we're not an island, we're not alone. That Mm -hmm. doesn't just pertain to this industry or this program or this curriculum. It's in every aspect of our lives. I think that's phenomenal. 
Yeah. And most successful people in life have mentors. Yes. And I started my business and made it to the age of 58 without a mentor. So it's one of the reasons I'm in the program because we all need someone we can bounce ideas off of and have what if conversations and 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 my mentor and I just had our first conversation he used to be the owner of a speakers bureau who sold his business so I caught that right away this is why we were put together Uh, and one of the first questions he asked me was well how old are you (laughs) I said well I'm 58 he said oh I thought you were going to be 28 (laughs) I said well (laughs) I'm 58. <laughs> but that changes the relationship too, doesn't right. it? Right? right. I mean, it, it, right. He, he's going to speak to you differently because you are parents. So yeah. to your point, yeah. uh, he, you know, asked me what I felt the purpose of the conversation was. And I told him I'd love to bounce off ideas and issues that I, you know, have. And, and after I told him exactly that, explained it all, he said, under one condition, if I can do the same. Great. So to your point, it becomes right. yeah. Yeah. reciprocal, yeah, very nice. reciprocal. Yeah, nice. And yeah. I'm meeting somebody that you, you never know where it's going to lead. You just never, never know. And I'm glad it's forced because yes. if it wasn't forced, wouldn't I wouldn't do it. No, right. right. Everybody's it's too- such a butterfly effect here. There really yeah. is. Yeah. Everybody's too busy. And that's not going away in any yeah. of our professional lifetimes, mm-hmm. unless AI comes up with something. Right. I, I no, think, it'll just make it busier. Probably. <laughs> yeah. probably. In a different way. In a different way. Yeah. So yeah. I've been thinking a lot lately in my own self-reflection about my business life. And I'm do, kind of dividing my business life into synchronous activities. Like I got to go interact with students. Mm-hmm. Uh, and asynchronous activities like I need time to think mm-hmm. and like yeah. so, wait a minute where should we go next mm-hmm. with this mm-hmm. and I think part of what we do pretty well in this master's program is we force an asynchronous stop mm-hmm. forget it you have to do this right and you have to reflect you have to stop and having that mentor coach teacher peers all saying stop yeah. It's yeah. powerful. It's yeah. like being in a group. And yeah. not only that, but just the other day I was reading an article about Warren Buffett, who spends five to seven hours a day reading and thinking. <laughs> He'll never make it. He's What a unicorn way of living. Yeah, right, yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. So are applications always in process because cohorts are now, you're filling the pipeline, right? Students are coming in and we're the third MEM cohort. Correct. So is the fourth cohort in the making? We've got some inquiries already. Um, as, as you may know, we have a marketing relationship with an organization called Meeting Professionals International. Yes, I want to hear more about that. And uh, <laughs> that's been a uh, both a, fantastic endorsement but as well as well as a marketing channel for us and uh, being here to show like IMAX it's just you know fantastic mm-hmm. to have the partnership and I, I so recruiting is all the time the admissions process is quite unusual it, it's a woman that uh, Terry referred to earlier Candy Flynn and Candy does the admissions and people often say well how do I make sure I get admitted it's like 
you have to talk to Candy. (laughs) 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 And we're not looking at GPA or SAT or anything else. We want to know who you are and are you stuck in your career? If you tell us you're stuck, we probably are going to admit you if you're trying to get unstuck. If you want to get unstuck. Yeah. Correct. So you got to want to get unstuck. Exactly. So we're looking for motivation for people who want to better themselves Mm -hmm. as part of that. And that means we reject a fair number of people because again, if you just needed, I need a master's degree. Like I can show you exactly which website to go to. Mm -hmm. You can learn to draw Inky the Clown and get a master's (laughs) degree at the same time. I mean, it's going to be great. So it's an ongoing process and it, and it sounds a little funny, but anybody listening to this viewers should call Candy. It's that simple. Like, we'll just talk to you. When does the next cohort start? Is it when this one finishes, which is in no, it's No, we'll finish in August. We're, we're gonna, we've been selling out, which is great. Um, and we, we typically start about the second or third week of August. And the reading can usually start a little bit earlier. Yeah, we do that. We do yeah. the sort of assessment and things like that earlier right. in the summer. But for, for advertising purposes, it's August. <laughs> so it's the official start, the, the on-campus week. Correct. Yeah, first on-campus. Yeah, but there's some pre-activities, yeah. as you know. Of, yeah. Which, mm-hmm. honestly, I would advocate for because, you know, you talk about um, taking a moment in to let things sink in. And that's what I did. And I don't think everybody did the same thing. Mm -hmm. And the whole idea of starting the reading early so that you could think about what it is you were reading and not just, I don't know, I don't know how people read a book and write about it in the same two week period. Mm -hmm. It's just, you're not clearly not reading at all. Mm -hmm. So there's, I think there's a lot of value to that on campus week. And I know some of the students that couldn't make it really regret it because you take a virtual course, you're not thinking there's an on-campus week, but there's such a value to bookend it with a live engagement experience with the students that you have been in the trenches with. First of all, that you're about to embark on a journey together with, which is highly interactive. I mean, you know, Anthony, you're in the course now, so much group activity, so much interconnectedness, bouncing ideas off each other. So to meet each other live really just starts that relationship off more robustly. And then to bookend it and to be able to celebrate together after again, 18 months together. So I think that's one thing the students need to realize as they're entering, it's really not optional. It shouldn't be optional. The on-campus weeks uh, bookend should really just be part of what they know is core to the program. It's special. Have to show up. How many of us are meeting planners versus event planners. Do you have an idea of the breakdown? Probably not. Huh. I, I, we have, I mean, in the MEM program, the masters in meeting and events, it's it's pretty planner heavy. I mean, it, it's, I'm trying to. So I know we have like corporate. A, a corporate planner, at least mm-hmm. a couple of corporate yeah. planners for sure. Yeah. Some pharma, we have a pharma mm-hmm. planner, we have a, an agro. An ac- academic. Um, we have a couple association plan. I feel it's very happy. Yeah. There are a few event people there too. There are a few event people as well. Yeah. And we've got yeah. some like people like conference direct types mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And ahead of you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, somebody is on a, oh, that might be in the HGM program. There's somebody who works for a golf uh, organization. Tennis. And tennis. We have a fair number of tennis yeah. people yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, we do that. That's interesting too. The sports angle. Yeah, yeah we mm-hmm. pursued that because uh, we figured, and we, we partner with USTA, not as heavily as we do MPI, but there's a lot of people get into the tennis industry because they happen to love 
tennis and then they, they start to get gray hair and they, they're not going to be playing tennis competitively they're not going to maybe even be coaching competitively so they end up running the pro shop or working for and all of a sudden they have a PL. And they have to do marketing and recruit new members and like what's that it sounds right. like business management so right, right. We, we run a, quite a few tennis people through who just uh, really like the me methodology so there are, there are also a couple of students uh, in the current cohort that are taking this course primarily because they want to teach because they want to contribute to the evolution of the industry and they see that yeah. that's in their future and so they want to make sure that they're qualified to do that so i thought that was kind of cool too. i actually wonder if i'm one of those people i i wonder if that's because i'm in this we can offer you long hours and low pay I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's what we're used to just do what you know <laughs> Exactly. Just do what you love. Come right, on. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. that's right. Yeah. So what yeah. brought MPI in? What's that? What what was the selling point for MPI? And wow, well, Carl's been a long time MPI member. And he's been on very our board. persistent. <laughs> he's very persistent. He's really brilliant. I don't care what anybody says. And <laughs> <laughs> adorable. <laughs> so I'm a long time friend of MPI. I mean, I think MPI has partnered with Carl and many, many times to do consultancy work. And uh, I think one way that MPI really respects Carl is that he gets stuff done. I mean, in a very hierarchical uh, setting like a huge university, Carl finds a way to, um, you know, act first and get, have to apologize later. We always laugh about it. And I've always appreciated that about Carl. He knows how to run a business and he's running a business inside an academic institution. So when it came to San Diego State and MPI, uh, MPI is all about education. We have 12,000 members around the world, been around 50 years, and we want to educate and elevate this industry as much as we can. So we know that strategic partnerships like San Diego State is the way to do that. Um, so we were, we were happy when they came up with the idea and said, absolutely, how can we help? And um, so we do marketing for them. I mean, I just happen to also work for MPI and I teach for them, but I probably would have taught anyway, just that because of, I'm in it for the love of the game as well. But uh, it, it absolutely, um, we, we feed them students and they feed them back to us. And we use former students on our panels and on our leadership uh, and chapter leadership. So it's a real circular um, win for all of us. It, it, it was a textbook example of a really hard program to launch because it was really hard for the university to accept a public private partnership like this it was hard for mpi to understand what do you mean like you want us to endorse a master's degree like what does that look like and <laughs> yeah like it, and, and there's an economic component to it. It, it it i mean i like to tell the story of paul van Deventer and i had a beer and talked about this program and Two years later, after he said, sure, let's do it, we got MPI and SDSU to agree to do it, but it took two years. And I laughed that, again, I wasn't there at the time. So had I been on staff, I think it would have been. One year? Well, yeah, <laughs> maybe one year. <laughs> it's such a radical concept yeah. to say, like, what do you mean a trade association is going to partner with the university and have a, a degree? Like, that's just weird. I just think that's there would be more and more of that. There I think be. there are a lot of trade associations that partner with universities, but it's about, it's smaller thinking. It is, let's get a student club on your campus and have a student MPI so chapter. Feed our, yeah, yeah, it's not, our, this is a much deeper relationship. Um, 
And, you know, MPI partners with other universities for our CMM mm -hmm. program. This is a much deeper 18-month program. It's just bigger. So you're the VP of experience. I am. What does that mean? I'm, I'm, I'm well, they created trained. this. They created this uh, because it, it was a bunch, it was three departments that needed a leader and they combined them. And so I managed the education events and the chapter uh, departments for MPI. So it's called Senior Vice President of Experience, but it's really all the client facing departments. I think there should be more people with that title. Mm. I so, love it. So that people are thinking about the experience and the objectives and the strategies instead of taking orders, as you were saying earlier, yeah. because that's the bane of my existence. Yes. And that's where we- It doesn't help us, right? Right, and that's where we add value. And that's why this is so important yeah. so that hopefully we're sending people out into the world and they're strategizing their events and they're leading teams effectively. Right. And they're seeing these great things happen, especially now when nobody wants to work for an SOB. That's right. Right, right, right. And they have the option not to. Right. And they have the right. option they not get to. to choose not to. That's yeah. it. We're seeing it, right? We're yeah. seeing a crisis of yeah. a PR issue in our industry. And we all love it, uh, but we know it can be really rigorous. So how do we tell a different story about how wonderful this industry is? And that part of it is equipping our, our people to speak a different language, you know, the language of business and how events move businesses forward. It's really key. And we were never very good at that to begin with no. because we're we're in our infancy really right yeah so the fact that we're starting this curriculum now it's great yeah. and hopefully it is like a, and we're this is a people industry right so it makes total sense yeah. that we have the emotional intelligence and the intelligence to be able to lead people in an effective way i think there's a a, a little anecdote that I'd like to share about this. And I think, you know, we're here at IMAX show with thousands of attendees. And I think if we went to survey all of the planner attendees and said, how did you end up in this business? I think the vast majority would say by accident. Mm -hmm. My boss handed me a file and said, here, do this. Yeah. <laughs> I could have been the admin. I could have been the VP of marketing, but right. they said, do this. Right. And then I woke up five years later and all of a sudden I run, you know, millions and millions of dollars of this right professionally so it's the accidental industry mm -hmm. historically you know that's a good way to put it i've been to so many ficps and other uh, tses and tried to really push the idea of teaching production to planners mm -hmm. yes because i feel that that's something they really need to know yeah and nobody shows up because they're yeah. not really thinking big picture mm -hmm. and how they have to have that knowledge to be effective producer That's production right. and producer is the right phrase I believe. right right yeah and i think people in with covid got a, a picture of that because they really had to be with everything virtual they had to become producers mm -hmm. because they couldn't they couldn't run around with a radio and a flipboard because right. there was no one to go right. so they had to become <laughs> it became more obvious about the, the production value, mm -hmm. uh, even in a virtual environment. So I think I think this Absolutely. one of the gifts of one of many gifts I think of the pandemic is that that it's it helped sort of shift the focus of the work that people in the events industry do, mm -hmm. uh, both for them and for the for the rest of the world. So the story's not told yet for sure about how that's going to fall out, but I, I think it's I, I think it's a good thing. It's interesting though. I was talking to Socio, they're on the floor. Yeah. I was talking to them today. We've worked with them in the past and they uh, 
I was, they are getting a lot of inquiries for hybrid, mm -hmm. but nobody knows what that is mm -hmm. because it's undefined. It, the thing is, it's anything you want it to be, mm -hmm. but you have to use it correctly, right? right? So they're really fielding now a lot of that because people, they don't understand how to use it correctly. Uh, I'm sure they're educating as they're selling because you're right. Somebody comes down and they are. you know, I think well, so they have to, because Kirk to Carl's point, asynchronous or synchronous right. streaming or can't pre-record it. I mean, and you can't do, you can't do a, you nobody has a big enough budget to do a synchronous hybrid event. No, nobody should be doing that. Nobody completely agree. Plus, Good nobody. You. And what's the point? What's I mean, the point? Right. right. I, because I, we're distracted if we're I not think there. There's a, such a simple solution to this issue of hybrid, and it's called the news. And what you ought to consider in that, Greg, in your next conference at, at MPI is have, <laughs> he's adorable. <laughs> have roving teen reporters going around collecting film and clips and interviews. Terry, what did you enjoy about today? The opening session was amazing. Okay, Anthony Bellotta, what did you think about that? Oh, I was so impressed by Socios, da, 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 da. You put that into a newscast and you broadcast it for right. 15 minutes right. the next right. day, that night, and it's called yeah. news. Yep. The end. Yep. There's a model for it. It exists <laughs> all over the planet Earth. And it's true. And it, I think what we're seeing too is just the tolerance and the new, the evolution of learning, you know, what people are willing to sit in front of a screen to do and how long. And right. I'll give you 15 minutes. That's See, it. that's where I think the people from Socio need this course. Well, because yes, they were just bought by them. Cisco, so they could. I know. I was talking about that too. Right? <laughs> I like it. Yeah, it's yeah. a great idea. Because they're going to talk about what's possible, but they're not going to talk about what's appropriate. Mm -hmm. And if you're thinking experience, and you're thinking, oh, I'm going to really delight these people online. Mm -hmm. It's a much harder. Boy, oh boy. It's a very different process. Right. Mm -hmm. And so maybe that needs to come out of the equation altogether to begin with. It's a great idea to target market these tech platforms for students as students, because there are a million of these tech platforms. Now. And they're popping up yep. every day, right? Yep. And it's just going to grow. And they're and probably grow tech specialists, but not experienced they're tech designers. They're not at all experienced right. designers. Exactly. Yeah. They don't know that right. space at all. Good yeah. idea. So we're assuming they're not listening to this. Podcast. They better be. <laughs> they call Candy. Yeah, that's Don't right. call us. <laughs> call Candy. Go ahead and give Candy's cell phone. Yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> yeah, she'll be well, I think we've covered it. Yeah. Any any famous last words from from the team at SDSU? I mean, what what I would say is is if anybody is considering this program, if you're sitting around saying, what is next for me? You don't even have to know, but there's something there. I'm not done. Mm. I want to go and see what's next. Um, then look at this. It may or may not be the right program, but boy, take a look for sure. Mm. Um, and it might just be the thing that, that allows you to, to experience a profound life change. Yeah. I love that, Terry. And, and I'd add, call maybe SDSU would share an alums number that would be willing to talk about what the experience was like for him or her. So yeah, it's not your traditional approach to your master's degree. And so talk to somebody who's gone through it and it might just be exactly what you were looking for. That's great. Great advice. Carl, anything? No, I just want to thank you for the opportunity to chat with us and laugh a little bit during the, uh, the ends of some pretty tough period of COVID here. And, uh, you know, I can hardly wait to see what this is all going to look like in five years. Yeah, right. It's going to be interesting. And we'll follow up with this. I'll have students on now moving forward because we'll 
dedicate a week of our podcast each month to the program and what oh, we're terrific. doing as students. Uh, and we'll focus on the MEM, but occasionally we'll bring in some of the HDM too. So this could be like real graduates of Bellotified or something. Correct. Like that. I love Correct. it. Correct. <laughs> well, we're mutual graduates, you know. Yeah, that's great. And I'm exactly in that spot. So as a business owner, yeah. I'm in the spot that Terry talked about. So it's you don't have to be working for somebody else to no. join this mm -hmm. program. You yeah. just have to look inside a bit and be willing to invest and investigate, really. Yeah. So thank you for thank joining you. us, thank you, Anthony, Terry, and Carl. Yes, thank you. Thank More you. to come. And we didn't even talk about Jeff Campbell. We we yeah. hardly even, well, next time. Yeah. Yeah. I'll bring him up. You could bring him on with the students love, or something. I love Jeff. We'll do the whole he's, Jeff a, thing. he's an inspired and inspiring leader of the master's program. For sure. really it's is. interesting, yeah. though, that he's part of this, you know, how that connection was made. HTM I, I can tell you the story. I mean, I. I actually had uh, lunch uh, last week with the guy who introduced us, a man named Kyle Craig. Kyle lives in Denver and yeah, is up there on a business trip. So I, I consider him a mentor of mine as well as Jeff. And um, uh, they worked together first at Pepsi and um, where they got into all kinds of trouble. And then they worked together at Burger King. And Kyle was, was a Harvard MBA. He's taught at Harvard. And he actually used to teach for us too. And um I, remember I was recounting with him the first time I met Jeff Campbell because he introduced me 15 years ago and Jeff was running a couple of restaurant companies based out of Carlsbad. And Kyle's like, come on, let's go see him. He's a great guy. So we went up to see him and 15 minutes in the meeting, I just hated Jeff's guts. <laughs> <laughs> He's a great guy. <laughs> and and, and great that, guy. after an hour, I'm like, okay, I got to go now and I got to get out of there. Jeff was impossibly difficult to talk to. And I, I, Kyle's like, no, 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 give him another chance. Give him another chance. Put it in front of some of your students. I'm like, I don't know. He goes, just trust me. And what I found out, maybe you don't even know, maybe you don't know this, and I'm sure you don't. But what I learned is Jeff is the most profoundly introverted person I've ever met. He's not even on the, like, he could be autistically, like he's on this <laughs> way out there on the scale. And he, he literally, to this day, anytime he does a group presentation, uh, classroom or otherwise, he always has to go be alone mm -hmm. to find himself. Mm -hmm. And so, so years later, when I you know, fell in love with the guy and found him profoundly you know, motivational and interesting, I, I'm like, Jeff, how do you do it? You're so introverted. And again, he is profoundly introverted. Mm -hmm. And he goes, oh, it's easy. I just pretend. <laughs> so, actually so he, just like him yeah. it did sound like him and he was the ceo of, of rbi or burger king burger king burger king yeah. he, was a, he was in charge of marketing for all pepsi worldwide mm -hmm. but he, he's just profoundly introverted so he just has to fake it level yeah. five leadership but, but he's also profoundly uh, generous oh and, and off the charts and kind mm -hmm. and and passionate about making sure he delivers these mm -hmm. students oh, i mean it's I, he's, I, he's just a spectacular guy he yeah, i, I love, I with love yeah. i've learned so much from him it's like yeah. I'm hard to coach. So, I mean, he does a great job. <laughs> and Jeff is our program director. So I, I, he selected the readings or at least. Uh, actually, like Larry, it was actually, it was actually Larry Beck. 
So a lot of the original DNA of this program is actually from Mark Testa, Lori Seip, who were in our hospitality mm -hmm. program, and Larry Beck. And Larry did came up with the directed readings. And Larry is an inspired academic who's just super deep intellectually. And we had him invent the directed readings courses mm -hmm. and the books. We we morphed the books a little bit, but that whole reflective process, that's Larry. Mm, cool. that, that really came from him. And the, it's really cool. Yeah. And the readings are also, the books were awesome. Yeah. No, we spent a lot of time really debating awesome. our books mm. and really, you know, because you sit there, when we put Steve Jobs in front of you, you probably were saying, fuck this. Well, this <laughs> 600 pages are really I honestly didn't know what to make of it because here's a guy who was, in my impression, not a very good leader. Yeah. But made incredible things happen. Yeah. So it was kind of hard to understand why this book first. Mm -hmm. You know. Mm -hmm. Why did but you come to? Why did you did you did you work out why that book first? Uh, no, I still don't understand why. I kind of feel like power the power of less should be first. So you want to know what I heard from some of the students? Yeah. Some of them said, "This this guy is like totally inspirational, and I've learned." blah, blah, blah from him. And I heard from some people that this is exactly who I never want to be. Yeah. And so I know what to watch for. Mm -hmm. So it was really kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. So I think that, I think the value, I don't know if that's for sure, but part of the value that I've heard from students is helping them calibrate where they are yeah. in relation to this enormously successful and somewhat dysfunctional man. Right? Really dysfunctional. Like, like yeah. Where do I sit with all of this? Right. Which is the right question to so, ask. And, and questions like, is it okay to be a leader like that, yet be so successful and, and provide wealth and happiness for so many? Right. You know, is it okay? Is that right. trade-off acceptable? Right. I mean, these are deep questions to yeah. ask, you know. I think that question was in my paper. Like, does the end justify the means? Right. Because that's the right question. Yeah. So, it's like yeah. we have to And there's a that. there's a so think about your question. Think about it while you're in the middle of the shit mm -hmm, versus mm -hmm, analyzing mm -hmm. it scientifically right, years later. Right. Very different things. Very because different. Yeah. we don't have courage to so challenge true. our leaders right. in so many cases because they're right. so powerful. Right. And you question your own perspective. Right. And you right. can't right. be objective, right? You so the right. but right. to answer your original question, you will be part of the process if you want, because I mean we revisit everything all the time with our alumni to talk about which books, to talk about which order should the courses be? Should we change directed reading? Like, should we put leading before or after? Like we've moved the curriculum right. around multiple times based on alumni feedback. But there's also a very um, logistical reason why that book came first. I thought the Steve Jobs book, it's long. Mm. And so that was my understanding what, why it was first. But then we did talk to somebody and I can't remember the rationale because there was, some rationale behind the selection. I gotta go. This is starting. It's twenty two. Yeah, like, yeah, I got it. Yeah. Let's there. wrap up. Okay. So, but the other thing that keep we keep saying, and then, and, and then, right. yeah. and then. The, the one thing that we do, one of the things we do exceptionally well is we put barriers in front of people that are psychological and emotional, hmm. and then when they conquer them, they're like, oh. So this. giving you a big ass now. book so, is like, I'm never gonna get to this mother. Mm. And then you do, and you're like. Oh, yeah, not so bad. That's such a good point. And then all You're the books so that right. follow look easy. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. So, but that was by far the best book. But just rest assured, we just so we, we, we designed everything. Yeah.
What would you think, Alex? I thought it was fascinating. I'm going to say that I really wish more curriculum followed this approach because, again, like I said, it's a butterfly effect. And I think that um, uh, uh, societally speaking, we would be so much better off if we focused more on self-awareness, introspection, and self-evaluation. Yeah, I can't agree more, especially as we get faster and faster and faster in everything. And the time is just compressing all around us. And uh, it's not getting any easier. It's not because, mm-hmm. and this is the this is the issue that I, th- I think daunts us all. Because technology is faster, it doesn't mean we're faster. Right. And all we're doing is trying to compete with technology and all of those with unrealistic expectations. And in the meeting and event world, we do this all the time. We enable people to bypass deadlines and uh, change their minds when you know it's going to have an impact and it causes lots of effort and change. And not that we want to be inflexible, but uh, we have to be a little less frantic in our planning and when you learn some leadership skills, hopefully you learn the emotional intelligence to be able to do that without upsetting people. You know, if I, I would really love if this approach or if the mentors of this curriculum could take time to go out and talk to high school students, because I think this is sorely lacking in the younger generation and not to their fault to our fault. I think that this would prepare them and help them because they live in a much more stressful time than you and I grew up in. Yeah, I think it's interesting that some of the people that are in the program are older and they're just starting to understand this concept of self-reflection and taking time to think about things, think about what you've said, how you've said it. Uh, We so often just think about things from our own perspective and we so many people, I say they can't, but maybe it's because they just don't take time to put themselves in somebody else's shoes and really think about it from another perspective because you can't do that on a whim. And that's how you develop emotional intelligence mm-hmm. through that, 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 that chain of empathy that you, you know, acquire because you're putting yourself in somebody's shoes and you're helping yourself to understand them a bit better it's the prayer of saint francis i don't know if you're familiar with it a little bit i haven't heard yeah it's ringing some bells um interestingly enough and i i won't belabor this but when illy was a little girl and if she did something that hurt my feelings i was very quick to tell her not in a shaming way but i'm just like you know what that really hurt your mom's feelings and i would get questioned on that oh she's a little girl you shouldn't say this and i thought no i want her to know that words have power and words have impact, and it's okay to learn. She did something when she was in in second grade, first grade, seven years old. She had no idea she did it, but it was videotaped. I made her watch it, and she didn't watch. She kept closing her eyes. I said, we're not leaving until you open your eyes, not because I'm trying to make you feel bad, but I want you to have the opportunity to learn to sh- so you know how your actions impact others, even if they're unintentional. Right. 
I think that was brilliant because she got to see what probably looked a little ugly to her and she didn't want to see herself that way. Mm -hmm. And we don't see ourselves no. that way. We see ourselves as protecting ourselves, defending ourselves. We don't see it as being ugly. Um, and so it's important and it's, it's really empowering because again, we're not aware of these behaviors necessarily mm -hmm. and how we impact others. So having that awareness is key and hopefully hopefully we'll change the, the the paradigm you know and instead of uh you know because you change from within right so exactly. the only way to change the client at the end of the day is to change the planner and the only way to change the planner is to change the planner's mind and you know their their protocols Anyway, I'm losing my mind. We should be going. <laughs> a great, great uh, hour or so with SDSU, the managing founder of the program, Carl Winston, and two of the industry instructors, Annette Gregg and Terry Brining. Incredibly, uh, incredible individuals. Uh, very, very uh, productive and experienced and successful in their own rights so thank you and we will be doing one episode a month we'll be dedicating to sdsu and to the journey that we're taking there and so next month we'll talk to some of the students in the in the mem cohort and get their impressions of this curriculum and how it's been laid out so far so that's it from us if you enjoyed listening please Give us five stars on Apple Podcasts and tell your friends about us. If you're uh, if you are exploring the industry or a career in the industry, this is a great podcast to listen to. So if you know anybody who is, please let them know about us. We're available wherever you find your podcast. That's it for us and Belotified. Say goodbye, Alex. Bye. Stay engaging. listen to yes. good question thank you thank you and what's it like to work with Al, uh, to work with anthony yeah, exactly. I, I mean it let's have lunch no it's wonderful <laughs> let's have let's, let's have wine <laughs> yeah, lots of wine no i've i've been blessed to know anthony for about 28 years so um yeah and worked for him for seven but worked with him on other events i almost in lost the entertainment. Alex once i almost lost her once and i was like no alex don't go 
Yeah, I was supposed well, to leave what? the end of February, and I tell people, yeah, my end date was the end of February, and somehow five years later, I'm still here. I think it's going to be fascinating to talk to you when he's done with this whole thing. I would love to, if Anthony isn't too afraid of that, because I'm, okay, well, you know me, I'm, I guess. That, that gives us data about how yeah. somebody who sees you work, like, totally. how you're going to change in your work. Totally, totally. So, okay. cool. I'm, I'm down with that. Good to meet I'll you, too. You.